Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, Art City is celebrating its 20th anniversary this weekend with their event called Mega Flora. We'll talk to Artistic Director Eddie Ayub about how the West End response to art has evolved over the years, as well as details about the huge party that's taking place this Saturday. Then, hundreds of our city's youth got together in celebration of the Winnipeg Foundation's Youth in Philanthropy program. We had our very own Sonny Primolo and Carolina Stetcher attend the celebration to speak with some of the yippers and the grants recipients about the program and about the celebration. Then we were in attendance at the Westland Foundation's 12th annual breakfast in support of the Westland Foundation Education Fund, and we spoke with Greg Hansen, the keynote speaker for the event, about education as it pertains to youth and to true reconciliation in our city. We also attended the Heritage Trust Program Workshop in Brandon, Manitoba earlier this week, and we're going to speak with Laura Kempthorne, General Manager of the Brandon Area Community Foundation, about their foundation and about some exciting projects that they've supported. And finally, we'll also learn about Winnipeg's first co-housing project called Prairie Rivers Co-Housing. And we'll find out more about its plans for a friendly neighborhood that puts community first. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to RC360. It is Thursday, May the 9th. Robert, how are you doing this fine May afternoon? I'm doing not too badly, Nolan. The weather's been nice, so uh, it's been uh, it's been good. How about yourself? Life is good in Winnipeg when the sun is shining, you know? It really is. And game seven tonight. It is. This Oof. is the one. For all the marbles. Good luck, Jets. I don't know. Hopefully. Go, Jets, go. I mean, how hope for the best. Man, this whole city is going to be on uh. pins and needles for... The entirety of the game, hopefully. One more game. That's all. Well, I mean, one more game and then eight more games to win the cup. But one more game tonight. That's all we need. Okay. Very true. And uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we can uh, we can pull through with a win. Eke one uh, out on the road. Yeah. Got to do it. We've got a ton of show to get to today. We have so many interviews that uh, we're either doing right here in the uh, studio, which is uh, our first interview, Eddie Ayub from uh, Art City. He's on his way into the studio. We're going to be talking about Mega Flora. But we did a lot of uh, interviews this week, earlier this week. There was a bunch of events that we went to, so we're going to bring you some coverage from that. Really cool conversations from some fantastic people, so let's just get right into it. We always kick things off with a song, Robert, so what have you got for this, us this week? Well, we're celebrating Art City's 20th anniversary party this weekend to start off the show, so how about we start things off with Congratulations by Cliff Richard right here on River City 360. Congratulations and celebrations When I tell everyone that you're in love with me Congratulations and jubilations I want the world to know I'm happy as can be Who would believe that I could be happy and contented I used to think that happiness hadn't been but that was in the bad old days Before I met you When I let you Walk into my heart Congratulations And celebrations When I tell everyone That you're in love with me Congratulations And jubilations I want the world to know I'm happy 
My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm now joined in studio by Eddie Ayub. He's the artistic director at Art City and Thanks friend so of the show. How, how have you been? Oh, great. Yeah, we're very busy, of course, but, yeah. but it's a good busy. For sure. It's good to hear. Well, we're going to talk about Megaflora, which is happening this Saturday, May the 12th. But before, I just wanted to kind of ask about Art City. What's new? What have you guys been up to? It's the, it's the summer, finally. You can go outdoors and, and create artistic brilliance. So what, what's been happening over at Art City? Well, I guess the first, uh, the first thing we're going to do now that the weather's nice is, is uh, paint a community mural uh, behind Art City uh, around the new skate park. Yeah. There's a skateboard park that's gone up in front of the Broadway neighborhood center we're partnering with them with some with some local artists to uh to engage every child in the neighborhood and anyone else who wants to help create concept drawings that'll then be composed onto a big beautiful colorful mural very cool uh and so that's uh sort of the that's the that's the first big project I mean, you uh, right after megaflora you guys have brightened up the west broadway area in so many different ways talk about the importance of of art in that community and how you guys have really helped elevate that space well, I mean, I think first of all, art is just a great way to spend time because when you're engaged in art, you're you know you're you're tapping into your own creativity, you're problem solving. If you don't know how to draw a thing or paint a thing or sculpt something out of clay, you you're, you have to figure out how to do that and how to coordinate your what your mind wants with what your hands can do. Um, so we've been doing that for 20 years, and it's a really great uh, positive way to spend time. And that goes j- not just for the children, but I mean, we're we're increasingly doing work with seniors too. Um, you know, and anyone of any age should should just make space for themselves uh, and make make some time to be creative. It's timeless and it's universal. You know, the artistic experience. I, you mentioned twenty years. That's what Megaflora is celebrating. Wanda Coop, I believe, was the the discoverer. The, the Wanda founder. is the founder of Art City, of Art and City. She, twenty she years ago. Something, yeah, something pretty great. And it really is. Uh, I mean, what we what we try to do is is make a place that is like a model for what we think that. Uh, you know, the world could be, uh, which is a space that's welcoming, safe uh, for all ages. Uh, you know, I got to say that, that you know, being in an environment where there's all ages, children, seniors all together brings out the best in everyone. For sure. And I think we need more of that uh, going on in, in general. Yeah, the young kids obviously are be able to learn from the older generations and the older generations are able to stay a little young with the young ones running around and yeah. being crazy. So how long have you been with Art City? Myself, I've been there 15 years. 15 years I started so. as a volunteer, like like most everybody else there uh, on the team, and uh, now I'm artistic director. The last uh, 
Yeah, I've been running the programming for a, a decade now. Wow. And how, how has the programming evolved over the past 10, 15 years? Um, evolved. I think, I think that w- what I've, what we see when we're working with, uh, you know, obviously we've been in West Broadway the longest, but we we do programming in a lot of other neighborhoods with a lot of other partners. Um, and so we see the capacity to take on more complicated, uh, involved, uh, deeper art projects. Uh, the, 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 the more time passes that, that, that we're programming in a certain area, um, I think that people's capacity, especially the children's capacity to, to, to use different materials and think, you know, in a more sort of deeper way, that increases. And I think that is the main difference. But otherwise, we've stayed true to our vision from day one, which is really like engaging people in art making, a space for art in everyone's life, and, uh, and bringing the art community uh, to the studio and to our, all of our, uh, even our outreach sites to, to engage participants in in work that's based on their own artwork as well so so you've got a really great artist and you know the the idea is let's let's bring that person over and we're going to make artwork based on their art practice and whatever their strength is we're we're gonna we're gonna work on that because there's so many different ways to create obviously so being able to explore all those different avenues and and versions of artistic uh creativity is probably pretty cool well absolutely i mean there's always some technique or different way of approaching a medium or, or, or uh you know, or an yeah. art practice that we might we, we, just when we think we know it all, we'll bring in some special guest that's done things differently, and it just changes how we For sure. how we do things moving forward. How has um, the community's response to art and to Art City evolved over the years? Because you think you kind of see you hear the cliche of the first thing that gets cut in a school program is the arts and music and, and things like that. So has has that attitude shifted, and have people valued more art as you've done your work over the past two decades? It, I, I think that in general, more people get what we're doing. When we started, there wasn't really any point of reference for it. It was a complete experiment uh, that's that's worked out. And um, so I think people understand it a lot more. And then are thereby, if you can understand it, then you can get behind it and mm-hmm. um, appreciate it. And they're willing to sort of go out on a limb and try art themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's that's a that's something I've seen evolve over the years. That's a really good question. Because, I mean, it, it really varies... If you're talking about this, you know, education system, uh, it really depends from school division to school division. Uh, you know, how much priority is put on uh, on art? Why do you, Why do you think that changes from school? Like, is it just the experience? Like, if people have the experience and understand the value, then they they can pass that along to to their children. Or do you think what, what do you think it is? I think it just depends on who's running what show, and right. and, and, and different people have different priorities and and different understandings of the value of these things but creativity you know an art is a language that is universal you know think about your favorite artists through history they may or may not have even spoken english they might have been mm-hmm. from some other place in the world right. and if you met them through a time machine would you be able to communicate with them yeah. uh you, you don't know but but you know you do love their art and you really connect with it uh it's very important and also it really trains your brain to think differently you know the other point i would like to make is that you know we are surrounded by art all the time any creative endeavor it manifests itself as music or even writing you know all the movies and television we see is is coming from someone's imagination right from the get-go and then it's Mm -hmm. put together by a team of you know whether dozens of people or hundreds or thousands you know whatever the project is we got to be able to create our own uh, art and our own culture and otherwise if we're not doing that if we're not engaged in creating all we are doing is consuming other people's ideas and I think it's just so important for everyone 
to, to, to get the relationship there between, you know, creating and, and consuming. And there's got to be a balance. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about Megaflora. Tell me what's going to be happening. It's happening this May 12th, this Saturday. Lay it on me. Give me the pitch. Megaflora is the kind of fundraiser that you would love to attend and actually enjoy it. You, everyone gets dressed up like it's a like it's a proper function in support of a good cause. Uh, however, you're not going to get the speeches. You get nothing but really just music, dancing, and good food. We're going to have food trucks this year for the first time. Very cool. Uh, we've got uh, Red Ember, Tamale Time, and Little Bones Chicken Wings uh, joining us. That's going to be great. Nice. So your your snacks are taken care of there. Uh, and uh, we've got like some of the best bands and DJs, mm-hmm. you know, that you can you can possibly book. And so from there on, it's just a lot of entertainment and fun. We've got Lucky Girl Photography to take care of, of uh, the photo booth. We always have a really uh, elaborate set that's in theme. Uh, and that ends up being everybody's favorite photo of themselves, yeah. uh, you know, in the weeks For <laughs> and sure. months after yeah, definitely. the party. Awesome. So I'm, I'm reading here a secret location overtaken by nature. Can you give me some hints about what people can es- expect aesthetically? You know, uh, aesthetically, it's, it's a floral themed event. Mm-hmm. Every year we take a different theme and just take it as far as we can go. Uh, this year, we, uh, you know, months and months ago, we planned what, what do we want? We need want we want uh, you know to be surrounded by flowers and plants and uh, in this spring we thought uh, after like a long a long drawn out winter we didn't get a lot of snow but the temperatures were you know cold for longer than they should have been for sure and we thought you know everybody will will be ready for something like this and uh, yeah expect to just be surrounded in a kind of a universe of flowers so as I'm taking a look at the website here it does say uh, secret location but there's also an address 323 Edwin Street should I, am I breaking anything no, or is we, that we were gonna keep it secret until two days before uh, okay. uh, the party yeah but uh, you know it came to our attention that uh, some people need to book accessible uh, transportation oh, okay yeah, yeah, more yeah. than a couple of days in advance so we need more notice so, what, so we, 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 we released the the address early it's 323 Edwin Street cool uh, it's a company called uh, Voyager Internet. Leon A. Brown uh, owns the building, and they've been really great. And so has Voyager Internet uh, in allowing us to use the space. Uh, they're a great partner in this. And, of course, I should mention EQ3 Furniture, our title sponsor. Nice. Who else is uh, helping you out with you? mentioned a couple of the tr- uh, the trucks or the uh, food trucks. Who else is going to be there that you can shout out? Well, I mean, shoot, the entertainment is fantastic. we got a secret headliner. That will be kept secret okay. until you show up at the party. Cool. Uh, but we've got another great band called Ivory Waves that is perfect for uh, for the vibe that we're nice. putting out at the party. And then a whole team of great DJs. We've got DJ Co-op, DJ Honeycut, Mama Cutsworth, DJ J. Jackson, and the two of them are known as House of Gold Diamonds. They're great parties. So that's just like a really dynamite group. That, I mean, they're going to run the dance party till late. You won't be disappointed. Very It'll be cool. just the best. Sounds like a blast. Are you guys doing the uh, the um, parade this year as well? Yes. June 30 is the parade date. Okay, cool. That's, you know, I would say our flagship event. And the, the, yeah. that's the event that brought Art City programming in the early years out into the streets to show the rest of the neighborhood uh, what was going on. Even if people uh, weren't coming to the program, then they at least sometimes would see it come out and, and yeah. walk down their street. For sure. Well, it's and, hard to and, miss hundreds yeah. of kids making noise and dressed in crazy costumes. And, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So I think, I mean, it, whether you want to join up, it's a very participatory uh, parade. Anyone who wants to be in it can be in it. Uh, just show up, uh, you know, at one o'clock to get ready, two o'clock to, um, you know, to participate. And then there's a, there's going to be festivities and, and, you know, mu- you know, entertainment, music and food cool. after, awesome. but that's uh, yeah. Mark that on your calendar. If you want to come and join it or spectate in the streets of West Broadway, uh, that's the art city West Broadway parade. We're actually going to, because it's our 20th 
anniversary. We're going to celebrate the neighborhood. So we're really going to put the emphasis on uh, what makes West Broadway what it is, all the other organizations that that we're friends with there. Nice. Very cool. So June 30th, you can mark your calendars now. That'll be at 1 1 to 2 p.m. Go down there and check things out at Art City. And then this Saturday, May 12th, is starting at 8 p.m. Uh, doors are 8 o'clock. Doors you go till quite late. Where can people find uh, tickets and more information? You uh, can go to the Art City uh, website or Facebook. And we are selling tickets online at Eventbrite. Uh, that's uh, it, you know, eventbrite.ca. You, you get on there and just type in Art City or Megaflora, and yeah. it'll prompt you. You'll find the tickets pretty easily. Very cool. And uh, ticket sales are great, and it'll be a really great, warm, fun crowd. And... I, w- I forgot to mention we're uh, we're selling artwork made by the Art City Fundraising Committee. Very cool. That's a whole bunch of really great artists that are on staff and the the, the board of directors and other friends of ours. And uh, it's it's uh, collaborative, uncredited art uh, that you can purchase, oh, cool. and and that's in support of Art City. Very cool. So unbelievable event this weekend, Saturday, May twelfth at eight p.m. Check things out if you Google Megaflora or look up Art City. You'll find all the information there. Thank you very much, Eddie Ayub. Thanks, Nolan. Artistic director of Art City. Appreciate it. Thanks, Nolan. Coming up next, the annual Youth in Philanthropy celebration was a couple of days ago, and our very own Sonny Primolo and Carolina Stetcher were both in attendance to speak with some of the wonderful youth in attendance at the event. But before we get to that, here is ABBA with Waterloo, right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. I'm Sonny Promolo, and on today's show, my colleague Carolina Stetcher from the Winnipeg Foundation and I had the opportunity to visit the Youth in Philanthropy's annual celebration held at the Prairie Theatre Exchange Wednesday night. The Youth in Philanthropy Program, or YIP for short, is an international initiative where secondary school students take part in workshops, form teams to identify social issues in their community, and connect with organizations that make a positive difference in that area. The students learn about these organizations, and based on their experiences, they can ultimately choose an organization to grant funds provided by the Winnipeg Foundation. On Wednesday evening, over 200 youth came together in celebration of their efforts to support the community. Here are some of their thoughts of the Youth and Philanthropy Program and the YIP celebration. I'm Sonny Promolo, and I'm here with Gift, Marl, and Destiny to talk about the YIP celebration and their experience with YIP. First off, which committees are you from? I'm from Daniel McIntyre. I'm from Mamwichita. I'm from Glenlong Collegiate. All three of you are MCs for the YIP celebration. How do you feel, or how did you feel, when you were asked to contribute? felt grateful that uh, I got the call, and I was chosen as MC, so I couldn't like let that opportunity go. So, yeah. I was really anxious, but it also made me really excited that I would be able to do a speech in front of people. Well, after I figured out it was me, I was glad, but a little bit nervous at the same time. As you know, we're all here to celebrate what you and other youth like you have done in our community. How does that feel to be celebrated like that? Um, I, feel, I feel great that we're being acknowledged for the great work we do in our community and it's, and it's like spreading more awareness so more schools and other organizations can contribute to helping out committees in Winnipeg. I feel proud because I am making an impact in the world and it makes me feel grateful that I get to be a member of it and that we're showing awareness as, you know, he said. As you all know, there's going to be over a hundred students here. How does it make you guys feel knowing that there are so many students like you who care about our community and want to help? Um, I'm, I'm happy like so many people want to contribute to helping other organizations but I feel very nervous speaking in front of those hundreds of students but overall it's great to hear that everyone's getting involved. It's great that there's like lots like there's a huge number of people that are coming and are willing to help the community. It makes me feel again proud I just hope that next year we'll maybe reach a little bit more. So a lot of youth don't realize the impact of what Yippers are doing for the community why is it a big deal? I feel that it's a big deal because like we're all youths and that we should support each other in what we do and it's just like a great way to reach each other and like ask each other for help like because sometimes it's just weird asking adults for like questions and so like we could just have someone to talk to and you know someone else to support us. I think it's a big deal because there's so many organizations all over the city and they're all working in their communities which is helping the whole city. And what made you all join YIP? I joined YIP because I wanted to develop my leadership skills and like public speaking skills and through joining YIP I did achieve those and I'm glad I, I, I joined. I joined YIP um, to help with my independence and I love the feeling of helping others. I joined YIP because of the leadership and because my friends were also in it. And what have you learned from your YIP experience? 
I learned a lot of communication skills over the past this past year from just joining Yip. I learned to communicate with other organization, like speak to like the school staff to get involved with and support our project and just reach out to to people and promote our project. Another th- cool thing about Yip is that you get to meet other youth from different parts of the city. I know when I was a kid in high school, I mostly spent time with other kids in my high school, but you guys get to go past that. Um, have you made friends from people with different schools, and what does that mean to you to be able to do that? Uh, yes, I have, and it's just like a great feeling because, I don't know, it makes me feel better to know that there are other people doing the same thing that I'm doing. So meeting new people is just fun. What organizations did you visit? I visited Art City and Spence Neighborhood Association. Uh, I visited Nadinaway and North Point Douglas Women's Center. I also visited Nadinaway. Um, uh, we did Green Kids and Children's Foundation. So out of those organizations that you guys visited, what's something cool that you found out about the organizations and what should other people know about them? Uh, when I went to Nadinaway, it was really cool to know that uh, troubled youth, if they're going through anything, that they could just go there for either one night to stay or months to stay until they get back on their feet. And why should people support these different organizations? I think these organizations should be supported because they do like, bring a big impact into the youth's lives because if some youths are feeling scared and don't know where to go, there's always a place that they can go. So like supporting them is like supporting the youths that don't have a lot and like don't have a place to go. So you're helping the world. Why should people help our community? And lastly, is there anything else you want to say about the YIP program? YIP is a great organization, but you don't have to join YIP to be helping people in your community. You can just do it out of the kindness of your heart. Um, you should help out the YIP program because it's a, it's a chance to really start your own project with a group of students taking initiative and if you get proceeds proceeds can go to whatever foundation you that needs it the most or that you're thinking about thank you once again to marl destiny and gif for taking the time to speak with me today on rc360 thanks guys we're gonna take a short break but when we come back carolina will speak with some of the yip grant recipients about their experiences with the yip program stay tuned I'm Carolina Stetcher, and I'm here with Cindy Greenleaf from Manitoba Mutts, and she is here with her friend Cade. Yes, we are. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us, Cindy. How did you first learn about the YIP program? Well, actually, uh, I volunteer through Manitoba Mutts, and my volunteer position is doing presentations to represent the organization. So I was asked to go to Argyle Alternative School, and uh, so Kate and I went to the school and talked to the kids there, and uh, that's actually how I found out about the YIP program. That's great. And is that was there a moment there in time that uh, made you want to get involved? Well, actually, I think Cade uh, uh, is probably the key to involvement. He, uh, the way that he reaches out to the kids, and, and these were kids that uh, didn't really look like they would maybe pay so much attention, but then all of a sudden they were just like super attentive when they saw the dog, and, and I think that's, uh, that's kind of the key for, uh, for us. You are currently one of the YIP grant recipients. What does that mean to Manitoba Mutts to have this type of support from our youth? 
So Manitoba Mutz is, uh, is totally run by volunteers, and uh, so this, uh, this money will actually go towards what we call our Super Trooper uh, program, and that's for dogs that come into care that, are, that have pretty major injuries. So they may have been hit by a car, they may have um, you know, been in a situation where they've been freezing or been really malnourished, and uh, so this money will go towards uh, the vetting, and that's the major cost that we have uh, in our organization. All of our yippers get the opportunity to do a site visit. What do you want the yippers to learn about the, your organization or what have they learned about your organization while visiting? I think it's probably kindness to animals. I think that's uh, that's a that's a big that's a big thing that they would have learned, and just uh, by volunteering, that you're able to uh, the difference that you're able to make just by uh, being being kind and uh, and caring for animals that really need your help. What kind of feedback did you get from uh, the young people that visited? Well, again, Cade's always a really popular guy, uh, but uh, you know, I think uh, I think it's just that you can make make a difference with uh, with a donation like this, and and uh, they felt really good about um, being able to choose the organization that they felt needed it the most. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us, Cindy. Cindy from Manitoba Mutz and her companion Cade. I hope you have a great evening. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carolina. The Yip celebration was definitely an inspiring place to be. It's comforting to know that our future is in the hands of these amazing philanthropic youth. If you or someone you know is part of a nonprofit organization, you should definitely check out the Winnipeg Foundation's Youth and Philanthropy Program and meet some of the community's future leaders. For more on the Yip program, visit the foundation's website at wpgfdn.org. Thanks, Sunny. Coming up next, we're going to hear from the keynote speaker at the recent Westland Foundation's 12th annual fundraising breakfast. They were raising funds for the Westland Foundation Education Fund, and Greg Hansen was the keynote speaker at that event. We're going to talk to him about the importance of education after our next musical break. But before we get to Mr. Hansen, here is Kathy Kirby with I Belong, right here on RC360. Oh. 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm in Brandon, Manitoba today, speaking with Laura Kempthorne, the general manager of the Brandon Area Community Foundation. Thank you for joining us, Laura. Thank you very much, Nolan. So we're here at the uh, Manitoba Heritage Trust Program Workshop. Um, what were you hoping that all of these people were going to gain from today's events? Well, I really wanted them to get a good idea of what this program is going to be offering them. And I was also very pleased that a lot of rural museums and archives showed up today. So that's, you know, that gives us a lot of hope that they're going to take this information back to their organizations, to their volunteer boards, and they're going to, you know, hopefully sign up and start working and utilizing this money that's offered to us. So there's $5 million over the next three years available for different archives and museums all throughout Manitoba. When you sort of see a room full of people who all are trying to maintain Manitoba's history, uh, how does it make you feel about the future of our archives and, our, and of our museums with all these people who are so willing to kind of make that their passion, make that their focus? I'm blown away, actually. I... I've been here obviously all my life, but we're so surrounded by just the museums and archives in our own little area, and this is huge to, to take a look on paper, the amount of museums that we actually have in our own province, and to know that each area has museums for different reasons. So, you know, this is really hopeful. There's a lot of invested people in this. So I'm, I, I'm blown away, and I again, I just hope that they're as excited when they leave here to take advantage of this. Tell me a little bit about the Brandon and Area Community Foundation. You mentioned a couple really interesting pro projects at the start of your remarks during the event today. So tell me a little bit about what, uh, how your last maybe year has been and some of the more notable projects that you've been proud to uh, help Brandon out with. Well, we've actually had, uh, you know, the last couple of years, like I said this morning in our presentation, we've, we've changed our, our thinking on how we make grants. Uh, we want to be able to use our grant money to put toward uh, projects that are really going to make an impact. And that might be getting them to the finish line, getting them into the next phase, and sometimes with other partners, getting this project started. With that, we have noticed that people in our community in West Men area are taking notice. And with that, they are saying, you know what, we like what you're doing. And they come to us, they ask us questions, they ask us about setting up their own endowment funds, or how they can invest in our foundation to be part of that impact and move, move on to other projects. So really in the last couple of years, we've been very fortunate. And we've had fund holders that have come in and say, you know what, we want to be part and we, how can we help? So we've started the conversations. We've made a lot of the 55 community foundations in Manitoba. There's 191 all throughout Canada, so we've got over a quarter of them just in Manitoba alone while only having 3% of the population. And you said you've worked in this industry or in this sort of world for a long time. Um, well, how does it feel to kind of be a part of this community and see such a generous uh, community all throughout Manitoba? Well, I really didn't know we were that generous, to be quite honest, until I started working with the foundation. And you know, right in West Man area, there's 18 foundations. So we our, our granting lines are very great, but that's okay, because all of us are really from a rural Manitoba town, like myself. And you know, I remember my parents taking us to the fall supper and you're, you're helping out and you're, you're doing this for the community and I didn't realize that we were already kind of doing our own philanthropy back when we were children. So when we came to the bigger centers, it was just something natural for a lot of us. So now we're, you know, I hope we're, we're sending that or preaching that message to our own children. And, uh, you know, coming to events with community foundations, 
it, it's very inspiring. And I must say, as I get older, I find it more inspiring. And I hope to be more like the people that are in these audiences. Uh, you know, the, some of them go far above and beyond the call of duty for volunteering. And, uh, you know, really without them, a lot of the stuff, projects would not happen. 100%. Well, I'm from Russell, Manitoba originally, so for some of our listeners in Winnipeg who maybe came from rural areas that want to learn a bit more about the Brandon Area Community Foundation, where can they find out more information? Well, you can phone our office. Uh, it's 204-571-0529, or visit our website at uh, www.bacf.ca. And, uh, you know, we're on social media. We have Facebook, uh, Twitter accounts. But, you know, I like making that that personal uh, connection so please give us a call send us an email and, uh, and we'll connect and if you have any questions uh, please give us a call and if we can't answer your questions we definitely will get you into the right department or the right community foundation um, because we're here to help each other it's not just about one community it's really about all of us as you can tell 55 out of 191 foundations in Canada it's all about building community making partnerships and that's what today was all about thank you so much for your time today thank you so much Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell. I'm on location at the 12th Fundraising Breakfast for the Westland Foundation, and I'm speaking with Greg Hansen. He's the keynote for today's event. Uh, Greg, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. So, so during your uh, speech, you talked a lot about the importance of education. So obviously the Westland Foundation is all about getting people into post-secondary. Why is that such an important thing for the youth of today? Well, I think that education can achieve so many things. First of all, it can be a ticket out of poverty, as we've uh, witnessed with so many people in our society. Uh, Indigenous people will sometimes refer to it as the new buffalo, that it's the secret to success. And and I think that to to create a thirst for knowledge in young people is one of the best things that you can possibly do. And education helps to create that thirst for knowledge. and it, it creates an interest in lifelong learning. You talked a little bit about your personal story and, and you didn't have much growing up, but sort of through education was able to gain a lot more. Um, talk a little bit about how that sort of evolved in you from a, from a young age. Well, first of all, it was interesting because my mother was pretty proud of the fact that she had a grade 12 education and she then told me that I could never tell her what to do unless I got more education than she did. Well, that convinced me that I had to get at least one university degree. Then, then as I was, as I was um, going through life and I got a couple of jobs with before I returned to university after, after my first year of university, I realized that those with more education were getting um, promoted more quickly than I was because I didn't have a university degree. Again, it convinced me the importance of that. And the more education that I got, the more education I wanted. And then I didn't take cor- finish taking courses of every kind until I was 40 years old. I continued studying and learning until I was at least 40 years old. And I still go to many conferences and seminars today to continue my education. You mentioned a little bit about sort of encouraging the thirst for knowledge. How do you instill that into young people at, a, at an early age? You find out what their passion is because people can only be motivated if they really find their passion. So I talked a little bit about mastery. Everybody has to know something that they're good at. It could be sports, it could be art, it could be mathematics, it could be uh, you know, reading, uh, but something that they're passionate about. And then when they're passionate about, they'll want to learn. It could even be about hockey, <laughs> they'll, but they'll want to learn and lo- delve into the history of things. 
delve, delve into the future of things. Something to dedicate themselves to, really. Exactly. Exactly. So, what's your what's your passion? Well, I right now my passion is volunteerism and bridging the the uh, broken relationship between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people and spreading the word of of reconciliation. I think Paul Martin told me at one point. He said, "Greg." Reconciliation is the most important issue that faces our country, and it's the most important issue that faces your province today to make a difference in our society for the future. And he said, when I'm lying on my deathbed and my children ask me, what did you do for the relationship between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people, I want to be able to say everything I could. And I'm following in Paul Martin's footsteps, so I want to be able to say the same to my children. What is going to be the role or what is the role of education in reconciliation? I think that, as I mentioned, that um, some Indigenous people see it as, as the ticket out of poverty. And there's so many Indigenous families who are stuck in, in poverty situations because of the, um, the hangover from um, residential schools, etc., and the way that Indigenous people have been treated in the past. And I think that um, if, if we can learn about the history and culture of the Indigenous people, it can make our society richer. And if they can have education to propel them forward to be uh, catalysts in our society and contribute to our economy, then we all benefit. It's education on both sides, yes. on Indigenous and non-Indigenous sides. Um, how do you feel when you sort of see a room full of people that are all working towards the same goal and seeing the value in education for our young people? Well, I see this whole issue um, that has been stimulated by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report as, as a snowball rolling down a hill, and I just hope it continues to get bigger and bigger. People on both sides of the Indigenous and non-Indigenous side are gaining an education and realizing that we have not only a, a, a combined future, but a combined uh, past as well. Where would you recommend people uh, to go find out more information or to educate themselves on these issues? Well, at the uh, Tr Truth and Reconciliation um, Depository out at the University of Manitoba, and that's where the history relies, that's where the uh, report lies, and to read the 91 calls to action and think, how can I contribute by, to any one of those 94, 94 calls to action? Thank you, Greg Hansen, for your time. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Nolan, and thanks again to Greg Hansen, former board chair of the Winnipeg Foundation and recent keynote speaker at the Westland Foundation's 12th annual breakfast in support of the Westland Foundation Education Fund. Coming up next, after the break, we will learn more about Winnipeg's first co-housing project, Prairie Rivers Co-Housing. If you're wondering what co-housing is all about, they've got a great event happening on Wednesday, and we'll learn all about that, but I'll have a conversation with Frances Woolison. She's a member of Prairie Rivers Co-Housing, and we'll just talk about what co-housing is and uh, and why, uh, why a lot of people are making, are considering taking part in co-housing projects all across the world. Before we get to that, though, here is Domenico Mundugno with Volare, right here on River City 360. Penso che un sogno così non ritorni mai più Mi dipingevo le mani e la faccia di blu 
poi d'improvviso venivo dal vento rapito e incominciavo a volare nel cielo infinito volare di blu felice di stare lassù e volavo volavo felice più in alto del sole ed ancora più su mentre il mondo pian piano spariva lontano laggiù una musica dolce suonava soltanto per me volare di blu felice di stare lassù ma tutti i sogni nell'alba svaniscono perché quando tramonta la luna li porta con sé ma io continuo a sognare negli occhi tuoi belli che sono blu come un cielo trapunto di stelle volare oh cantare oh nel blu degli occhi tuoi blu felice di stare qua giù e continuo a volare felice più in alto del sole ed ancora più su mentre il mondo pian piano scompare negli occhi tuoi blu la tua voce è una musica dolce che suona per me stare qua giù nel blu degli occhi tuoi blu felice di stare qua giù Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by Frances Wilson. She is with Prairie Rivers Co-Housing, and we're going to learn a little bit more about that project today on the show. Frances, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. The idea for Prairie Rivers Co-Housing has been around since around 2012. Can you give me a little bit of background on how the initiative got started and, uh, and, and where it's at right now? I wasn't involved at that stage back about 2012, but I gather there was a workshop held by uh, the organization called Transition Winnipeg. And as an offshoot of that workshop, people got together who wanted to uh, initiate co-housing in Winnipeg. So they continued to meet for several years, but at about the same time, the old Grace 
co-op housing development was being planned, and the group split because some people wanted to go in that direction, and the remaining group members just didn't have the financial capability or maybe the energy after meeting for several years to carry on with their co-housing plans. But after a couple of years lull, I gather, one or two of our members, uh, Randy Proven and uh, Clara Mitchell-Enns, decided they wanted to revive the co-housing project in Winnipeg. So that got underway about a year and a half ago. And so the term co-housing, that might be a little bit new to some of our listeners. What exactly does that mean and and how might that differ from, uh, say, a a housing cooperative? Well, I read a definition the other day that I kind of liked of co-housing that said that co-housing is a lifestyle with community spirit built into its foundation. It's when a group of people decide they want more community in their lives. They still want to own their own private residences, but they also want to own a share of common spaces that really become the special sauce in co-housing. Common spaces like a common kitchen and dining room where meals can be prepared and served, but that doesn't necessarily happen on a daily basis. It depends on the group and how often they want to meet together for meals. But the common house will also have spaces for exercise rooms, maybe a workshop, maybe a a music practice room if that meets the uh, interests of the group. Generally, there are guest rooms for uh, visitors to stay in so that each individual homeowner doesn't have to have that spare room that just sits empty until somebody shows up once or twice a year to stay in it. Um, I think the difference is between us and uh, cooperatives is that our projects are all financed by the members themselves, and the members all will own their own units uh, as condominiums generally, whereas in cooperatives, the cooperative owns the premises and the people who live there just own shares in the cooperative but they don't own their own private residences and there's usually government funding involved in cooperatives as well and we're totally independent. It's sort of planning its own little community um, in a sense. The co-housing group themselves actually design and develop the community to meet their own needs. They have to hire professional help obviously because we don't have that kind of background but we are involved right from the beginning and design the community to meet our own needs. Who makes the decisions in a co-housing community? We try and make all our decisions by consensus, a consensual decision-making process. So that can be challenging at times, but it results in better decisions that everybody can live with because you're actually looking for a decision that will best meet the needs of the community, not just individuals who have their personal biases. (laughs) And you actually just came back from the first Canadian National Conference on co-housing in Vancouver. I did. Can you tell me, are, are there any co-housing projects that are that are currently in operation in Canada? And, and what are some of the features that those particular projects have that kind of interested you? BC seems to have the, the greatest number of communities that are in full operation. Some of them started back in the early 90s and have been going for 20 years or more. Others are still in the development phase, purchasing property, which of course at the West Coast is a challenge, and, and building their, their communities. We're at the stage, personally, where we should be downsizing our living space. And uh, 
in co-housing communities, you tend to have smaller personal living spaces because there's so many shared amenities. You don't need to have your own personal workshop and your own, as I say, guest room. But you do have your own self-contained home. There's no doubt about that. You do have a complete kitchen and, and eating space and all the rest of it. But the, the relationships that develop among the people in the community, I think, are the main attraction because there's far too much loneliness in the world today. It's becoming a global epidemic, as we've all heard, I guess. In Britain, they've now uh, appointed a minister of loneliness. And I've heard, heard from a speaker at the conference that in Hong Kong and in China, they find that the elders in the community, some of them are actually purposely committing small crimes so that they'll end up in jail and have the benefit of the community in the prison. Uh, in the USA, the, the Surgeon General has said that loneliness is worse than heart disease and cancer uh, on your health. And I think what we're hearing is also just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot more lonely people out there than we realize, and people can all benefit from the, uh, the community aspect of co-housing. One of the key points of a co-housing community is uh, sustainability. And I'm wondering if you can explain to me what some of the design choices might be in the planning stages that would make a co-housing community a little bit more sustainable. Our particular co-housing group, Prairie Rivers, has made a commitment to build our community to passive house standards. And that, uh, I think, would be a first in in Winnipeg for a multifamily dwelling, which is what ours is likely to become. There are two passive house co-housing complexes being built in Vancouver at the present time. We're in the in BC anyway, they may not both be in Vancouver. But that's becoming a building standard because of the great uh, savings in energy costs. People living in a co-housing community often are involved in car sharing. They don't all feel that they have to have their individual uh, vehicles. And if this space makes it possible, um, a lot of the communities have common gardens, so they're actually eating local, they're eating what they have produced themselves. The buildings are always energy efficient, whether to passive house standards or not. So at this information session, we're hoping to attract other people who don't even know we exist to join our group. And as soon as we have in the neighborhood of maybe 10 households involved, then we can seriously look at purchasing land for our community. And uh, then the show really gets on the road. We all agree that we'd like to live within a five-kilometer radius of downtown Winnipeg. We don't want to be out in the, the suburb somewhere. We want to be close to public transportation. We want to be close to green spaces. Preferably, we'd like to live in a walkable neighborhood and not have to use our cars as much. If people are interested in learning more, if they are interested in maybe taking part in this community, where can they go to get more information? There are some wonderful books written by Charles Durrett and Katie McCannett, who are sort of the founders of of co-housing in North America. They discovered it in Denmark back in the 80s and brought the whole idea to to America and uh, started developing co-housing communities in the States. There's the Canadian Co-Housing Network website at cohousing.ca. There's another very large uh, website for the American co-housing organization, which is cohousing.org. At our meeting, we'll be presenting a bit of history about co-housing, where our group is at now, what we're hoping to to do in the future, and uh, offer opportunities 
for people to come to our meetings and learn more before they actually put any dollars down. I mean, that's that's not what we're after. We want people who are excited about the kind of lifestyle that we're hoping to develop in Winnipeg. So the event uh, is taking place May 16th from 7 to 8.30 p.m., at the Fort Rouge Leisure Center. And if if people want to contact you directly about the Prairie Rivers co-housing project, how can they reach you? Well, they can email me at cohousing at transitionwinnipeg.ca or I've got my phone number out there as well at uh, 488-0875 because I'm always happy to talk to people about co-housing. Well, thank you so much, Frances Willison of Prairie Rivers Co-Housing for, uh, for joining me today and uh, telling me all about the Prairie Rivers Co-Housing Project. You're very welcome. That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much to everyone who spoke with us today and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us this week. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit us online. The address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the show. If there's anything you'd like to comment on regarding anything that you heard, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook as well by searching at RiverCity360 on Twitter and RiverCity360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off and saying goodbye for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. Mm-hmm.